Hey, what's going on, guys? Today, we are talking about psychedelics. I know some of you probably hear that and are already rolling your eyes like, oh god, where is this going to go? And others of you uh, might be very happy and might be excited to listen to that. All I can say is come in with an open mind because I might be a little biased, but I think it's fascinating. I think the work that is being done and and just the anecdotal evidence and stories that you hear from people using these substances, I think it's fascinating. I'm really excited to see where it goes. And in line with that, we had two amazingly awesome guests from Decriminalize Nature here locally. And their kind of mission, I guess, is to get psychedelics decriminalized. Not to understate how complex that issue is, but... I'm excited. I'm really excited to see where this goes because you hear these stories of people that have used these substances and an underlying theme, at least from the ones that I've heard, is that they feel they come out almost a better person. And I think that I think that's interesting, especially when you look at some of these studies that have come out with vets who have PTSD and like brain injuries and they use these substances and they get better. I mean, what? Come on. I think what we really need is more research. And I think that only comes from decriminalizing these substances and legalizing them and putting in the work and figuring out, okay, is this is this as good as people say it is? And are the benefits there? And that's why I completely respect what these two are doing because I it's got to be a lot of hard work, but they're passionate about it. They seem to enjoy it. I had a great time talking with them. Um, I'm, I'm just very excited to see where this goes and I hope it, I hope it becomes what it can be because if people are happy and they feel like they're becoming better people, I mean, isn't that a good thing across the board? We'll have to wait and see, I guess. So please give it up for Danielle, Daniel, and David Poplin. Okay, and so how I was talking to David, we were kind of chatting here, and I was like, we're gonna have to say all this again on the podcast. But how did you guys get involved in Decriminalize Humboldt? Did you kind of well, find it, start it? Yeah, I mean, I started it with a couple others. Okay. Um, I was checking out Decriminalized Nature for a year. I was in school, and I actually did, like, a um, project involving Larry Norris, who's, like, one of the founders of Decriminalized Nature. So I was watching them for a year. I was in the master's program at HSU. I did not have enough time to start a chapter here. And I told Larry, I'm like, hey, if anyone contacts you, I want to be on the team. And two shop owners in Arcata contacted Larry. And so, and it was perfect timing because I was right at the end of my semester. And we were meeting together and they were both super busy and I had just graduated. So I had a lot of time. So I just got it going. Like, I've been doing the Instagram, and um, yeah, the first tabling I did, I met David, 
which I was so grateful for because at that point I was like, man, I can't do this like without support. I need support or like in my intention was like after this tabling, if I don't find anyone, I'm done. Mm -hmm. But thankfully... David Luckily, he up. came along, yeah, I just right? walked in and I was like, I love mushrooms too. Yeah, hooked. So what what got you into this? Like, why why did that kind of speak to you of, okay, like, this is something I need to get involved in? Well, I've had personally entheogens, uh, particularly ayahuasca, saved my life. Like, I was very depressed since birth. Um, I had wished to God... I had never been born, so I was very depressed from childhood into adulthood. And in my mid-20s, not making good life choices. I was down the road of addiction. I didn't know how to break it. I didn't want to be there, but I didn't know how. And I I traveled in India for two months, you know, trying to, like, find an answer. Um, I did meditation. I read spiritual books, but there was always, like, a roadblock. And I just could not get out of the depression. And... There was a point I couldn't handle it anymore, and I was like, I have to, I have to change something because I can't live like this anymore. And I googled like spiritual intervention, and ayahuasca came up. I had no idea what it was. It was like ayahuasca, Brazil, cool, I'm going. And I magically got my passport in time or my visa in time. And three weeks later, I went to Brazil, and after the first ceremony with ayahuasca, I wasn't depressed anymore. I like saw myself and I loved myself the first time ever. And that's what was missing was love. And I didn't have any need for addiction and no more bad people were coming into my life. And it was so magical. And it's like, I want this for others. Uh, and I continued on the road of working with these medicines and it just gets better and better and better. Like the more layers you um, really peel off. And after learning how to take these medicines in a ceremonial way, a way for healing, I was able to get a better relationship with mushrooms, which has helped so much. And um, working with San Pedro and doing this all like in a very, with respect and with intention. And I've been able to, just who I was even five years ago to who I am now and what I'm doing now, I would have never imagined. So yeah, I want this to be available for everyone. That is amazing. You hear a lot of people, I mean, I have no experience with ayahuasca, with anything, but you hear that recurring theme of people, you know, struggling in their lives or struggling with different mental health aspects. And, you know, they, they hit this end of the road and yet they find psilocybin mushrooms or they find ayahuasca or even LSD or MDMA and it changes their whole life. They go from being suicidal and not wanting to be here and not wanting to endure anymore to, okay, I can do this. Like I have this new outlook on life. Yeah. There's, there's so much medicinal ba like, it's, benefits. It's insane. And, uh, you know, it's ridiculous that we're not, we're not able to use them. That's, that's, what's really ridiculous. And it's causing, uh, people to be scared or, you know, that, uh, accessibility to these medicines are harder to get to. And that's all we're trying to do is make it more available, you know, make it more, um, normalized get a get over this you know whole war on drugs and you know start moving forward in this whole medicinal revolution yeah we were talking about it a little bit before we got on that it's crazy that these natural remedies are fought so hard and yet the alternative of oh just pop this anti-anxiety or pop this this other medication and you're gonna be fine and that's what we look to we look to oh i got to get the pill for it and then i'll be good instead of turning towards 
these plants. Fix me now, not for later. It's yes. pretty much what's going it's on. It's not even fix me. It's okay, let's put the Band-Aid on. Exactly. And when that falls off, we'll just put another Band-Aid on it. We're not going to go beneath the surface on this. No, yeah. And, and as we, sp- like we spoke about this earlier, it's, like, uh, it's not just you know psychoactive plants and fungi. It's, there's so many out there that are just not being recognized. Just like you know, lion's mane, like we talked about, great health benefits. Uh, that's just another mushroom that you know, should be more widely available. Uh, it's not psychoactive, so you can buy this powdered or, you know, extracted at this, you know, your local stores. But, uh, you know, we need to be able to know more about these ancient Chinese medicines and plants and fungi and use them more. Yeah, it's that knowledge aspect, right? That's just not touted. Yeah, exactly. So you went to Brazil for this. Yes. Were you worried? Like, going on this it was no not at all i mean when you're at that point if you don't care if you die or not you're at a place of fearlessness that's true yeah (laughs) i mean you're almost like well i've got nothing to lose might as well try it what was the experience like was it i know some of them are like three days you can't eat before you can't eat after you purge yourself how did this one go yeah so i was supposed to prepare so pretty much going on a plant-based diet and um I did that. I was good with that for three weeks. And when I got there, it was, man, it was three weeks I was there. Um, And altogether, there were six ceremonies. If I remember, this was, man, how many years ago was this? This was eight years ago. Yeah. Um, And the first ceremony, I had no idea what to expect. I get, I just never, I still had not, the three weeks I had, I didn't really look into what ayahuasca was. And so I sat there, I didn't know what to expect. My intention was like, show me what I need to see in order to heal. And I went into it with complete trust, just complete trust. And I realized what ayahuasca was. I was like in a different, I don't even know how to explain it. Like I couldn't really, like I was just like in the cosmos like not on earth anymore i mean yes i was still anchored to earth but i was in a different place entirely and i needed to be that outside of myself in order to see myself and then i just cried like for hours and hours because i saw how beautiful my heart was and i'd never seen that before and then that i realized why anyone would like me and uh, why anyone would even love me because before i was confused why people would want to even be around me and um it was purely magical and then my second ceremony um i used to dislike children and even um puppy like puppies and kittens like baby babies in general oh wow yeah i mean i you know i would never hurt them or anything yeah oh i would hope not no i mean i i still had love for them but i just couldn't stand to be around them their Mm. existence annoyed me (laughs) (laughs) but on my second ceremony i turned into a baby and it was the most interesting thing because I knew I was Danielle. I knew I was a, an adult human, um, but I was a baby. I was seeing everything with through the eyes of a baby, how magnificent everything was. I was laying there and I couldn't get up because I was a baby. Um, and yeah, there was some fear in that because I was like, am I just going to be sent home not being able to like function? <laughs> just a small child again? <laughs> yeah, like stuck in an adult body. So um and it was interesting because like after that ceremony i had to relearn everything like i had to relearn how to chew and swallow and it happened very quickly like i had to relearn how to walk i had to relearn how to like drink water i had to relearn how to like go pee um so that was really interesting but that ceremony i love children i love you know baby animals and it was i realized that i had missed out on my childhood so 
every time I saw children, I was annoyed by them because I didn't get to experience that. Um, so yeah, that was a beautiful gift, like to be able to heal my childhood and heal my relation like with, with children, with baby animals and such. That inner child is so important. Yes. I mean, the experiences you undergo as a child are, are so important. Yes. I mean, that set, it really sets you up and paves the foundation for everything throughout the rest of your life for those formative years. And I know everybody says that and it sounds cliche saying it now, but I mean, it is, it is so important. It is so important. Yeah, we met, uh, we meet a lot of interesting people boothing at the Arcadis Farmer's Market. And uh, one, one quote that I really liked from someone was he was pretty much saying that uh, life is just healing from our childhood traumas. And I was like, I like that. Yeah. That sounds nice. You know, we don't really think about that kind of stuff as an adult sometimes. And that's what's really awesome about these psychoactive compounds is they allow us to think outside the box. You know, we get to think about things that we would never think about. You know, our brain gets rewired in a way that it never would have unless you take this substance. And, you know, that's just amazing. And so for you, it almost it almost showed you yourself almost like a reflection and kind of peeled back the layers for you to look at yeah i saw myself so clearly the good parts the beautiful parts and then the parts that weren't so good and it helped me see the cycles that i was in and the parts i was playing as a victim and can and how i was actually seeing myself as a victim in some situations where i was actually being the victimizer and nothing too crazy just like talking negatively about someone for example and like finding myself as the victim but then it's like well when i speak these like you know unkind words about this person like i'm not being kind to this person so it helped me see myself so clearly in the cycles i was in and the family cycles i was in and it showed me a way out and it wasn't magical like the snap of the fingers oh i'm out of it it just showed me the way and um when i came back to the usa i was very blissed out but then it was a lot of work it took years and it still is like i am still working on the things that i'm being shown um so it's not a magical like oh i'm taking this medicine and everything's healed these medicines show you the way and it's your choice uh to integrate that into your life or to just kind of let it pass you by. And so you did six sessions. Mm-hmm. Are these like six consecutive nights or kind of spaced out? It was spaced out weeks? like a couple days. Okay. Mm-hmm. And are you, are you confronting like a different side of yourself in each session? Or are you kind of, I mean, you said you were like a that baby. That time and you... over there, it was really all about love okay. for me. And that's, I mean, I did realize different aspects but every single ceremony was all about love because that's what I really needed and these plant medicines like they show you what you need in that moment and ayahuasca was so gentle with me like I was so fragile I was so near the edge and she was so gentle like so loving Um, I just felt so just just held and cared for and safe and I know of some people, it's not like that for everyone. Uh, the medicine really meets you where you are and what you need to see. Some people I sat in ceremony with, they saw scary things like devils and um, um, skeletons and just things that really scared them. And some people purged a lot, a lot of purging. Um, I never purged at all, which is pretty rare. Um, purging being throwing up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Some people in ceremony the whole night, they're throwing up. Um 
That's a rough way to go. It's yeah. a gnarly plant. Oh medicine. my god! Well, it, just with your stomach, like imagine trying to break down all that cellulose, and it's a lot for your system. Yeah. And so, have you done ayahuasca? I have not tried ayahuasca okay. yet. I've done San Pedro, which is a um, the active compound in that is mescaline, and same thing. It has a pretty gnarly purging process as well. Just hard on the stomach. That is intense. That's an intense experience to go through. I mean, nowadays, people, like, you can make the extracts now and, uh, you know, figure out what compound uh, is in the plant or fungi and find the right solvent and extract it. And then you don't have to put down as much. But, yeah, still, it is pretty. Mm -hmm. I think the purging is important. It almost seems like it's part of it. Yeah, It's part of it. And also, some of us do carry, like, I myself had a lot of uh, entities attached to me, um, which is for some of us the cause of depression, anxiety. Um, Yeah, and by purging, it helps release those energies. Um, And that's what the importance of ceremony and the importance of shamans, because they see they see beyond this this realm and so they're there to help the entities go away and not attach on someone else in ceremony Um, because that is something with a shaman that doesn't know what they're doing uh, which there are a lot of shamans out there who claim they're shamans and they don't know what they're doing they haven't put in the work Um, you know maybe they've drank ayahuasca for five years and they think they're ready to serve Uh, they're not (laughs) it's like years and years and years um of working with the medicine and working with an, you know, with a, with a shaman. Um, it's usually in South America uh, to be able to really get into those realms. And yeah, it takes a lot of, it's a lot of responsibility to be a shaman. And these people are trusting you and uh, you've got to hold space uh, with, with purity and uh, be there when people need your help. And yeah. That's one of the really critical parts, right, is having that shaman i mean is that unique to ayahuasca because you don't really hear that with you know mushrooms or obviously mdma but it seems to be a recurring theme with ayahuasca is you need that guided person who can kind of take you where you need to go and make sure everything's ayahuasca is not one to mess around with like it's not something you would drink and go to a party Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's very sacred uh needs to be very respected and um yeah that's and I just hope that those who aren't ready to be serving medicine choose not to serve the medicine because it could harm people. And that's one thing that we're trying to, you know, um, make more aware of is uh, educate the public on exactly what she was just saying, is just having the set and setting, you know, having somebody there to maybe help you throughout your psychedelic experience or psychoactive experience and treat it like a medicine and, you know, not to take advantage of it. Yeah, I think that's important. I think you could abuse, I mean, you could abuse it like any other substance, right? But I think its healing properties really come from that, from being, from that guidance. And I know we were talking about my kind of introduction into all of this was the experience, experiments they're doing with MDMA on soldiers with PTSD and how they're having these profound breakthroughs and they're not having these depressive episodes and they're not suicidal and their whole outlook on life is changing and i mean we're really bringing these soldiers back from the brink with moderate to low doses of mdma and nobody's really talking about that which i thought was was pretty crazy because they've got them all jacked up on antidepressants antipsychotics 
that don't really work. They just kind of, again, with that Band-Aid thing. I know, uh, I know active military members that are taking microdose capsules of psilocybin mushrooms, and they say it's changing their life. And, uh, you know, they're like, I can't believe we don't have more access to this, and we're not allowed to take this. But, like, unfortunately, they're not really testing for it. And if it is, it comes up for, like, food poisoning, mm. I believe. So, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, once this is the first step. So, Arcade is the first step to once we get this decriminalized here, you know, it'll show that other cities could do the same. Once that happens, then we can start doing more research on the, you know, these substances and how they will help people with these with PTSD or depression or anxiety. And I think it'll just, uh, you know, it'll help just give it more of a clinical setting versus this underground world that we have to go through and just to get, you know, some relief. It's weird when you think about it that psilocybin, ayahuasca, DMT, those are all on the same playing field as, I mean, heroin and even just alcohol. Yeah. Like, we've, we have this view on alcohol that, oh, this is fine. Like, we're sitting here drinking beers and cheers, nobody's going to say anything about it, but... <laughs> If we were sitting here doing mushrooms, people would have people would vocalize their opinions. Yeah, which is in which is insane. I mean, once one literally messes with your body every time you touch it, and the other does not, in a tangible way. But there's that weird stigma around it. Do you yeah, think that just crazy. comes from a lack of knowledge that people aren't? I think it's definitely lack just of branding knowledge, on it? and also the war on drugs. Uh, like Nixon, I don't even know how much he paid, but a lot of money into commercials, anti-drug uh, commercials. And I mean, LSD was the main one that was hit, uh, but all the other like psychoactive substances, such as psilocybin mushrooms and peyote, uh, were also umbrellaed under there, and it stuck. You know, people were scared. Uh, and the stories, and sure, uh, crazy things did happen on psychedelics back in the 60s. Yes, this was a new thing. Uh, people, they were pioneers. They didn't know what to expect. And it can put you in a place where you think you're going crazy. So people did end up in psych boards. Yeah. And, you know, crazy stuff did happen. But as people got used to what these were, and also just the social knowledge of like, hey, this is what you might expect, people were no longer admitting themselves to psych boards and ending up in hospitals. And so that they thought in the 70s that the war on drugs had worked because less people were ending up in the hospitals, in the psych wards, but more people than ever were taking acid, uh, taking mushrooms. It's just that they had learned what those effects would be. Um, but yeah, the- So they knew what to expect. Exactly. It wasn't this, this mind-blowing thing anymore. Exactly, where you literally think you're going insane. Yeah. <laughs> but- um, I forgot what I was going to say. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I was just, I was writing that train of thought. I think that's, I mean, the war on drugs is not, they obviously lost, right? The war, I mean, people are using more drugs now than ever. Yeah. And I don't necessarily believe that's a bad thing. I think people should be allowed to make their own decisions I first off. I think that is totally true. I think what the bad thing is, is the stigma. Like what Oregon did, I think is amazing like decriminalizing all drugs right because i think that yes and i think that's going to help people get the help they need because many people who are on harmful substances such as heroin and methamphetamine they don't want to be there and a lot of it stems from childhood trauma and 
by decriminalizing, it's going to allow them to ask for help because that criminal label will be taken off of them. Because if you're a criminal, you can't ask for help because you don't deserve help because you're a criminal. But once that label is taken off of you, yes, you're worthy of help. Yes, you deserve help. And I foresee um, the issue with drug abuse like really going down um, after decriminalization. Um, is that why that's the first kind of push is to just decriminalize it, take off that label of this is this yep. is an illegal substance. If someone needs help, like she said, they should be able to get help. And mm -hmm. that's one case that Danielle has brought up is, you know, if someone's on mushrooms in the plaza and they go up to an officer and say, hey, look, this is this is the situation. You know, we would hope that they would get help or take a ride home or, you know, I don't know, something like that versus like, hey, turn around and uh, put your arms behind your back. Yeah. So, so that's like the main goal is to be able to just have help if it's there, if it's needed. Now have, I know with marijuana and I'm not sure exactly how this has played out, but I know that people have, you know, taken edibles and had mental breaks yeah. and they're not sure if it's because they were predisposed towards something like schizophrenia and this just kind of pushed them over the edge or this spark that inside of them. Is that happening with psilocybin and with these psychedelics as well that definitely could happen mm -hmm. i mean that's why there is a warning and why there needs to be education this isn't for everyone like if you do have severe mental illness uh in your family um it probably would be wise not to macrodose uh i believe microdosing would still be fine um but yeah it really isn't for everyone and i have known two people who it was with lsd where um they never quite came back, but they were they were already going to go there at some point in their life, but it just did push them over the edge, um, sadly. Go there, like hit that that kind of wall. Yeah, well, they I they kind of lost their minds. I mean, not in a crazy like oh they're dangerous and crazy now, but just like they couldn't function in this reality anymore. But they were they were this happened when I was in high school, and they were very socially awkward very smart but just you could tell there was something off with them so there was already some mental stuff going on but the substance did nudge them nudge them and yeah. i believe that definitely would have happened in their 20s um when mental illness does um affect a lot of people that are already kind of going there but yeah if there is it's not for everyone Again, Especially when you're a kid. I mean, you just don't, there's so many other variables you just, you don't know. And yeah. that, that's going to be very interesting, you know, with this whole legalization thing and like a decriminalize, I mean, but eventually it'll be legalized and hopefully, you know, taken to a different schedule, not, what is it, schedule one or two? I think it's a one, right? Yeah. So once it gets taken off of that, then who knows where it's going to go, but uh, you, what's it, it's going to be sold in like what an eighth baggie and an eighth baggies you know that could be very intense for some people and uh what that's why the education needs to be done is because you can't just open up an eighth baggie and be like yo i bought this legally and eat a whole eighth like you might have a bad time especially if you don't have the right set or setting or intentions you know you can have a bad time and uh that's that's one thing that we're going to try and do as well is just try and have this educational push of you know dosage uh, set setting and intentions those are going to be very important topics that we're going to be hitting and hopefully people will you know find their dose 
That's really like how it, what it comes down to is where where do you feel comfortable? What's going to make you feel comfortable, and how do you still get you know the benefits from you know these compounds without overdoing it or taking advantage of them? What's a uh, what's a typical dosage of mushrooms? You're speaking to a guy who has no idea, so you, you got to fill me in here. I would say if you want, like, a very light social dose, that would be uh, one gram. Okay. If you want to go a little bit deeper, two. If you want to have a mystical experience. Um, I like the way you put that, a <laughs> mystical experience. I'd say 3.5 and over grams. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably don't want to go over five grams, um, and I'd say work up to that, yeah. you know. And I think it's really cool, the microdosing that is getting really popularized. So what a microdose is, is 0.13 of a gram. So getting people comfortable with like, okay, that, and maybe upping it a little bit and, you know, just like slowly upping it to, oh, this is what a gram feels like. You know, I think it is really important to be cautious with it and just knowing how it feels in your body because it can be very scary. Um, I had experiences as a teenager that were very scary. Um, And... Yeah, I don't feel safe to have a mystical experience unless there's a shaman present. Like, I have not had a mystical experience with mushrooms. I would like to, um, but I would like to be in a ceremony where I feel safe and held and um, to be able to go on that deep of a journey. Mystical being you're going to start seeing some stuff. Uh, Mystical as in where you may leave this realm. Like, you're anchored here on Earth, but you might not exactly know what's going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those mystical experiences are so important. Um, Like, most of my ayahuasca experiences have been mystical experiences where, like, you're, like, you know, it's like, you know you're still here, but it's like you, like, I've traveled to different planets, like, like, just past lives. I've had relived past life experiences that I needed to heal uh, that were affecting my current reality, and... But yeah, you need to feel safe during that. If you're having a mystical experience and you're not feeling safe, um, that could be a very, very bad thing uh, where you go to a place of terror and fearer. And that's not... That's not what you want. That's not healing. Yeah. Yeah, That's not healing. You don't want to have a bad trip. Yeah. um, Yeah. And difficult trips do happen. Um, And a lot of the times those difficult trips are from you seeing parts of yourself that you just don't want to see. And that's what some people don't realize with these um, entheogens is that it's not just fun and games. Um, They're here to show you things. And there are probably many things within yourself that you don't want to see. Like we are excellent. Like we're so good at avoiding those things, like with alcohol, you know, with just like whatever addiction that we may have or just the the constant like social media, just always being on the phone. Um, we're very good at avoiding ourselves. And these entheogens um, and other psychedelics help us see ourselves and that is what we need right now in this current reality more than ever like we are not doing very well as a race <laughs> like yeah, it's uh, not good as, out there. Yeah, humanity it's a little is rough. we yeah i mean earth is dying we keep taking and taking and taking animals are going extinct children are starving um if you take a look at the whole globe it's not going very well the the droughts the fires um there's not there's not clean water for so many people so many people are thirsty so many people are hungry and we can heal that and i truly believe we can heal that through healing ourselves and the answer is these entheogens 
I've heard that a lot specifically with DMT is that people have come face to face with this like embodied ego and they can either like address that and and kind of face that side of them and try to strip that away or it can kind of you know beat them down a little bit and it doesn't end so well. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if either of you have done DMT. I mean, that's ayahuasca is it's kind of the same thing. Right? Has DMT in it. Okay. And so the ayahuasca vine uh, helps the so the DMT helps the ayahuasca communicate with you, the vine. And so it's a plant mixture. And so pretty much you're on a six hour DMT journey. Um, so it's almost just more potent because DMT by itself is it doesn't last very long. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's very potent. And in uh, South America, they mix other uh, substances like datura and other substances. I'm not remembering other plants, but it makes that psychedelic journey very intense. The mixture kind of like makes the, what? how do you say it? Symbiotic? No, not symbiotic, but like a synergistic effect where it kind of potentiates okay. the DMT. They work together. Yes. Okay. And now is there a different, this is going to sound like, such a such a lame question but i gotta ask it is there a difference between these psychedelics like are you experiencing different things when you're on lsd versus psilocybin versus dmt or is it all just kind of absolutely yeah okay i'd say mushrooms like i really like mushrooms and uh because of the way you can dose uh you You have a little more control over more control over the dose uh and you know, versus like acid, you don't know like who's the chemist who made the batch. You know who? How did they test the batch? Who? Like, how do you know how strong it really is? Whereas, like the with mushrooms, you know, it's you, you weigh out a gram, you eat a gram. I mean, it it, it differentiates between strain. Some mushroom strains are stronger than others, but you know, theoretically, overall, I feel like mushrooms are probably going to be the best psychoactive substance for somebody not trying to like enter this this. Uh, you know, realm of healing, uh, just solely because it's easier to dose and probably obtain too. But, but yeah. Although I wrote my thesis uh, at HSU on those who take mushrooms, uh, long-term experiences and motivations, and most of the people I interviewed took them for recreational purposes, like going to a festival, having fun with friends and such. And there was a a small percentage who did it only for um, spiritual reasons. The the people who took them recreationally um, became better people, which was something I was not expecting to find because I'm all about intention. Like if your intention is just to party with friends, you're just going to party with friends. But the cool thing is the mushrooms are still doing the work. Mm-hmm. And uh, every single one of those people, like, you know, it comes out in the interview. <laughs> but every single one of the people, it came out like, they are communicating better with their partner. They're being kinder to their child. They're not littering anymore, which is a big one. Yeah, please stop littering. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, yeah, right? That's yeah. not a bad thing. Yeah, like they're um, doing farming, like growing their own foods. And the main message from everyone was the connection with Earth. And so even people who are taking them recreationally are not only becoming better people um, in their personal lives and interactions with others, but are being caregivers for our Earth. And this is what we need right now. Um, more than anything we need to wake up to why we're even here Um, and that's earth and she just keeps giving and giving and giving and one day she won't be able to anymore and like with these entheogens with these experiences and realizing that she is a living 
like being, you know, and that we all matter, like all of us from the spider to the bird, like we all matter and we all have a right to be here. And we are all, yeah, we, we all could have an abundance and there doesn't need to be any more taking. Uh, there doesn't need to be any more of just the domination and that greed and just really working together and respecting each other just for the shared experience of being on this beautiful, beautiful earth. That's one of the weird things about mushrooms, right, is I've, I've talked to a few people that have done them and they all say that they feel like they're a better person after doing it. Sometimes I'll cry and call my mom, be like, Mom, I love you. Thanks for everything. You know, there's times like that. And then there's times where I'll take mushrooms and kind of sit back and they allow you to kind of see the world, you know, in a different way. You know, we're we're trained now. We're trained to have that nine to five work, work your ass off, you know, for somebody else, most likely. And, you know, when you get off work, uh, you only have enough time to, let's say, do whatever your addiction is. Most accepted is alcohol. So it'll be like, get off work, drink your beer, go to bed, do it again. And mushrooms kind of help you sit back and be like, they help you appreciate the little things that you usually kind of just go over on a daily basis because we're so fast paced. And I, I think society is really creating this fast paced kind of consumerism America or our world in a sense where, uh, you know, we don't have time to sit back and think about the little things. And taking psychoactive or psychedelic substances really allows you to kind of sit back and, and realize what's really important. And it's crazy when you when you begin to look into the history of these drugs and realize that they've kind of been an instrumental part of human culture for a very long Thousands of years. I mean, the Greeks were taking... They were mixing like psychedelics in their wine and Greek philosophers were doing that. And that was just an accepted part of their culture. That's what they, that's what you did. Yeah. Cacao, cacao and and mushrooms are, have a huge history of just being used together. Same thing. The cacao potentiates the effects of the mushrooms. So they like, yeah, they were doing this, these, you know, this healing techniques and using it as a medicine for thousands of years. And why aren't we allowed to? Are you guys getting a lot of pushback trying to bring this? I mean, our kid is pretty, pretty open, but are you, are you finding a lot of people trying to push back on, on what you're trying to do out there? Not really. I mean, while tabling, not one person has come up to me and told me that they disagree. There's been many people who have come up to me and wanting to know what it's all about mm -hmm. or having a little bit of like, oh, what exactly does this mean? But once I explain it, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the most pushback I got was from uh, Chief Brian Ahern, which is understandable because he is is he the police chief? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they've been, that's what they're taught. You know, these are drugs. Drugs are bad. Uh, these are criminals. So, I mean, and, you know, he's been in this, uh, doing this work for a long time. So, I mean, that brainwashing and that, you know, those things that you're taught, um, yeah, it sticks with you. So, and plus, I think a lot of it has to do with the ego. Of like, oh, if now I've been taught this and believed this for like 50 years, um, what if I was wrong? What does that say about me? You know, I have to grasp onto this of, oh, drugs are bad. Yeah, criminals. I can't support this because if I realized that I was being lied to all these years and I believed something that was wrong all these years, like I'm losing a piece of myself. And that's a hard thing to come to grips with. Absolutely. I mean, stripping away that part of your identity, especially I would imagine as a cop where that's part of the job description is, is stopping people from using substances. Yeah. Yeah. And being taught that these people are bad people. That's the biggest thing, yeah. right? That's the biggest thing. 
is there's that branding on the people that oh, only dirtbags use drugs or, you know, only people with no ambition or they're not going anywhere in lives. Those are the people you're going to see using substances. Yeah. But I mean, look, look at how many people drink themselves to death every yeah. year. Go home or and smoke hit... a pack of cigarettes and, yeah, and have lung cancer. Yeah. And nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to draw the comparison that, oh, we, okay, we accept that tobacco is fine. We're just going to let people make that decision. And if they want to hurt themselves with that, we let them. But then you get to mushrooms and it's like, mm, no, we got to we gotta stop people from doing that. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, the government knew what they were doing. Nixon knew what he was doing like back in the 60s. He knew that these were not dangerous substances, but they were dangerous to the system. I mean, America has been built on domination, racism. I mean... Really, if you look at our history and what was happening in the 60s with the civil rights and with people who were against the war in Vietnam, these entheogens, these psychedelics were helping people open their minds and being like, no, we need equal rights. We are all equal. We need to stop killing people. We need to stop war. This is not the answer. And that was very, that was against the system. They needed to stop that. So what was the easiest way to do to stop that? criminalize these substances, which puts a criminal label um, on the people that were involved and also an excuse to disrupt the civil rights movement, to disrupt to disrupt the anti-war movement. And it's a great way of control. And that's what our government has been about is controlling, dividing. Um, I hope, I pray that we're able to take the whole system down and rebuild it with love, with peace, um, with equality, Amen. with respect. Well, you know what's crazy? Have you ever heard about Operation Midnight Climax? Mm -mm. It was a CIA operation in the 60s and 70s. And this is all public information now where they were uh, dosing people with LSD to figure out what they what would happen. They would go into these brothels and just just slip it into people's drinks and observe and see what happened. Interesting. That's yeah. pretty scary. <laughs> Great. It's it's crazy, right? Yeah. But that's I mean, that's very wrong. Oh, yeah, that. it's definitely you yeah. wouldn't want to you wouldn't want that happening to you because yeah. then you you would think you're going crazy yeah. you are right like what it is so like there's a lot of good that came out of that whole counterculture like that like not not to mention just great music but uh you know just that whole fuck the system mm -hmm. excuse my french but uh no you can say whatever you want we're on a <laughs> podcast man there's no but, bars here but yes you know fuck the system kind of you where it's like we're going to do our own thing. We're not going to go to war because you tell us to. We're going to take this substance and have fun and enjoy life. And I think we're kind of going through this kind of like same renaissance kind of, or I'm hoping that we are, you know, of more music, more art, you know, more dedication to those hobbies or lifestyles in a sense. And just back to more of like a, a base of love versus that's where it's at. The rat, the, race, the rat race in the concrete jungle. Well, I definitely think it's interesting this this push now for people to start start decriminalizing these drugs. I think that that is it's interesting seeing this play out, especially with Oregon and how that worked, and now with you guys doing this here. I think I think it's important. I think it's really important. It shows that you know it shouldn't be federally illegal. You know, this is going to help, and once once these substances do become not Schedule One then we'll be able to actually do research. You know, it blew my mind being a chemist at HSU. We were never allowed to use cannabis on campus because it's federally illegal. 
You know, like we have all the biomass we need here to do any kind of study that we want on cannabis. But no, you're not allowed to because it's federally illegal. So once that is like taking off, you know, then Humboldt State can start having, you know, actual studies and figure out dosages or like, you know, different products that can actually help people for marijuana or other substances that are schedule one. And uh, yeah, it's kind of caused that kind of like wall brick wall kind of where you just crash into that you can't get fda approval you can't get funding for it and and then it never progresses and then it never progresses and we find ourselves in the same spot 50 years from now like that's the saddest thing i mean we all accept that people are adults like when you're an adult you get to make decisions for yourself and we strip that away with drug use yep but we don't do that. We allow anybody, if you're 18, to, to get a driver's license as long as you pass this test. There are people who should not be driving. I'm sure we've all seen them. Yep. But they get a drive. You get, if you're 18, you can buy a gun, which I think is good. I think everybody should have guns. I think guns are, are your right. Yeah. But I also think that, you know, use of whatever substance you want, as long as you're not hurting other people, that's when it becomes a problem. I like agree. if you're that's on bath salts. And, and hurting someone that it's like, okay, we gotta, we gotta stop that. Yeah, I heard, I mean, I actually don't know much about bath salts, but I met someone one time who had taken them and he said that as long as it's pure, you don't go insane. So that would be another good thing for, I mean, again, I don't don't know something I would, (laughs) I don't want to mess around with it. Like the stories I've heard and I don't want to, would not want to mess around with it, but that's like another thing with decriminalization and, you know, potential legalization in the future is people do get clean things, you know, clean substances that they're putting into their bodies and yeah. They've made it harder and harder to make it pure, you know? That's the crazy thing, right? Is everything's cut with like fentanyl Me and my friends, like, uh, you know, we've, we've tested some of the cocaine that was going around just for shits and giggles. I do not fuck with that substance, but we tested it and it was mostly meth. So now it was like every time I see my like my friends or anybody around me doing it, I'm like, that's probably a meth batch. And like, you know, of course they don't care, but like, it's just kind of crazy how people will put anything up their nose. And if if it's called cocaine, they'll do it and just believe and hope that it's not fentanyl, like you're saying. But you just don't know. You I don't mean, know. for the average person who is not a chemist or who doesn't have testing equipment, you get something off the street and... You're just hoping that you're going to do it and you're going to be okay. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize until, you know, starting to talk with people about this is that, you know, a lot of the ODs and a lot of these deaths aren't from the drug necessarily. It's from these, you know, rat poison that it's cut with. It's the synergistic effect between... Yeah, different drugs, and they're just cut, people are just cutting it just to make more of a profit. Like these, you, you only need point one of fentanyl to overdose, which is which insane. is like a grain of of salt, yeah. You know, like or and that's all it takes. And if we legalized it, regardless of how you feel about drug use, this is my opinion. Regardless of how you feel, if it was legal, it could be regulated, and people wouldn't have to die unnecessarily. Yeah. We can address, you know. The aspect of, of people hurting people or of it ruining lives, we can't address that. And yeah. we could we could figure that out as well. But And that label of, I mean, and this is a thing amongst many humans. If someone ODs, oh, they deserved it. Yeah, Stupid drug so addict. That's what they deserved. And that needs to change. Like, because, I mean, again, a lot of people 
like on harmful substances they're in pain and what they deserve is help meant like therapy just someone to help them through the the pain of their childhood or whatever happened to them in their lives to get them where they are then other people who just want to party they're doing coke they deserve to die like really like and just taking that that label off and just like relearning how to think about these substances and not demonizing people because we have a right to explore our own consciousness in whichever way we choose to i mean back with psychedelics uh which helps us explore our consciousness helps us learn more about ourselves so many humans are out there that have no idea who they are they might think they know who they are but they don't really because they're not taking the time to actually really discover themselves. And these entheogens, these, um, you sit there and you see yourself. You discover who you are. And I don't know, maybe some of the beliefs you have or those things that are not kind, being able to really look at that and heal that and see the root from that. Um, like back when I didn't really like children being able to heal that to where it's like, yeah, I love children, just their, their innocence and just how they find like a little string on the floor. And it's like the most fascinating thing. Like they're, yeah, just awesome. But yeah. That's what I find really fascinating about psychedelics in particular is that, that, that idea of diving deeper into yourself and experiencing this, this, I had a degree in cognitive neuroscience or, um, yeah. And it's, I mean, the mind is incredible. And I think anything that can help you further explore your own mentality, I guess, is something that this should be treated as a tool. I mean, nobody's getting black, blackout drunk on alcohol and being like, oh, you know, I, I looked at this, I looked at my childhood and was thinking, oh man, I really need to fix this thing with my parents because it really affected me and I never got, I never had a chance to explore it. But now that I'm wasted, like I can, I can look at it. But you hear that with psychedelics, which is weird. And I feel like that is why one thing alcohol is like such a like, oh yeah, alcohol is a accepted thing and just even like encouraged to engage in. And I think part of that is because of the bigger system of alcohol is going to keep you down. Alcohol is never going to show you those things you need to see about yourself. It actually numbs those parts of yourself. It, it helps you continue in an unconscious life. So, and I mean, not saying, yes, treating alcohol with respect and having a good relationship with alcohol, but many people do not have a good relationship with alcohol. There are so many alcoholics, so many sad people, and this alcohol is not making anything better. They get up in the morning go through their day, probably drinking when they can, go home, drink, pass out. And I mean, that's their life. And they're avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. Like this, it's not going to help them get to a better place. It's not going to help heal our communities, heal our earth. And I think that is part of the bigger agenda of why, you know, things like psychedelics are illegal. Things like alcohol and tobacco, which is proven to be deadly, is legal and even encouraged. Uh, I got to preface this. Cognitive science is my major, not cognitive neuroscience. I took a cognitive neuroscience class. I was like, why does that not sound? I don't even know my degree. So that's, that's welcome to my life. <laughs> Good thing no one um, will ask you for it, Yeah, I just had to throw that out there because I was like, why does that not sound <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have grown in my view of drug use for sure. You know, as a kid, you have it ingrained that, oh, don't, don't do, do drugs. drugs. Yeah. Say no to drugs. Um, but I'll tell you what, I, as I've gotten older, I've met more people who have 
severely hurt their lives, their loved ones through alcohol use than any other drug. I don't, I talked, I don't know if you guys know Lazara Firefox Allen. She works with Hatcher, the Humboldt Area Center for Harm Reduction. They're big on not drug prevention, but like getting people the correct tools so that they can do it in like a healthy and safe manner. And she made some fascinating points about how, you know, she knows people who use heroin and it doesn't affect their lives. They're productive members of society. And that really challenged my beliefs on how I view drugs because I just assumed, you know, heroin, you're ruining your life. But I didn't have anything to back that up. I've never really talked to a hero- someone who uses heroin, whether they're addicted or not, you know. And I think that like that could be extended to psychedelics as well. Absolutely. If people look at it, if people want to see it that way and say, okay, how do, what do, what do I really know about psychedelic usage versus what have I been told? Cause I bet if people really took a second, you're going to have some family members and some friends that have used substances that you just don't know about. Absolutely. And it's just, it's just a part, especially here in America, it's just a part of life. Mostly prescriptions. You don't really know. I wasn't even thinking about that when I said that, but yeah, Absolutely. I mean, how many people are on ADHD medication, which is just speed? Yeah. yeah. That was huge in, at the college. Oh, yeah. Adderall? Yeah. Oh, my God. I knew kids who were doing Adderall. They're taking Xanax. They've got Coke in the back bedroom. Like, <laughs> what? I'm like, how do you ace in every test? I know. That's the crazy <laughs> thing, right? And they're like, oh, I got, I got a little something I got in the back. a little something, something. So when you guys, so do you use these psychedelics? I know you said you use it more spiritually mm-hmm. as like these awakening moments do you use it more recreationally uh i in a sense i do especially with like music so okay. like you know me and my bands will will dose up and you know jam and that's amazing you know when you take mushrooms or psychoactive compounds uh it rewires your brain and i feel like it helps with music for sure or anything kind of artistic just kind of like I don't know. For me, I can get behind the drum set, eat like a half a gram of mushrooms and just kind of like close my eyes and I'm just flowing. And I, I'm just moving around the drum set and it's, you know, it's super fun. I'm kind of just out of my own realm into another realm, kind of just with the other group being on the same wave in the same wavelength in a sense. Like, it's just amazing to me. And so I'll, I'll definitely use mushrooms and stuff and maybe acid sometimes for that kind of recreational side. But I also do implement the microdosing a lot more now. And I feel like the microdosing has definitely helped me stay in tune with, with myself and nature as well. And uh, like I said, it kind of just allows my day to flow better. Uh, I feel like I could process emotions better uh, or faster. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like the, I think the microdose is going to be a huge... It's kind of all the rage now. Every, it seems like a lot of people are adopting the Well, it's really cool because, too. like you said, like you're, you're, you yourself uh, haven't tried much of this, these substances, right? So, mm-hmm. like, it's a good way to kind of, like, get dip you into it, in. dip your feet in. And, uh, you know, honestly, you'll probably take, let's say, one microdose cap and then you'll be like, I want to take two next time. Or I want to take three or something because that's usually how it starts is you know you're kind of like scared or you know intimidated by this substance and you're like easing in, and then you ease in then you kind of like be like whoa like that just rewired my brain in a positive way like i want more (laughs) and so what are the effects of microdose like what do you because i'm i'm guessing you're not 
experiencing any like visual no very low you're supposed to almost not feel it you know it's the the theory behind it is you still get the neurological activity in your brain uh with a very low dose so you're not going to have visuals or kind of you know have a body high or even feel high and in in general it's mainly just supposed to kind of it be lingering in the background in a sense that's the goal is to not really feel any type of you know psychoactive compounds in your system but still get that benefit from it and so what what are you experiencing when you're doing like three and a half grams of mushrooms what is what is the effects of that i know you said spiritual but like to what extent i mean like everything's moving around like let's say you're staring at just a white wall that whole wall is going to be moving you might be seeing faces in it like different like just images of different i don't know like an angel or a dog or you know whatever (laughs) different perceptions yeah and then lights lights will be probably more intense how does that stack up against like a strong edible pretty close pretty close that's what i've heard if you ate like 300 milligrams or more like it does kind of put you in kind of like a psychedelic that's what a lot of people say is if you dose high enough with with cannabis you're you're almost touching the edge of of a psychedelic but yeah, it's like, it's, it is kind of different though, in a sense of like, you know, I've been in cannabis for like 10 years and yeah, I've made a lot of products in that industry. And y- you know, there's a difference when people are like, you grew really good weed or you made a really good edible. It got me really high. I ate, you know, a whole box of, I don't know, cookies or something, a whole pie of pizza versus, you know, having a psychedelic experience and someone be like, Hey, you know, I've ate your mushrooms or I've tried mushrooms from somebody you got it from. And, uh, it changed my life or I had a brighter day the next day or, you know, I was glowing for a week. You know, that feels so much better than like, you know, having like the cannabis side of like, I got so high, man. <laughs> I ate a whole pizza. Yeah, <laughs> I ate a whole pizza. So it's like, a, it's all, again, it goes back to that. It's almost more introspective yeah. and life changing. Whereas I guess I think of cannabis and I think of just more like strictly recreation. Yeah. I mean, cannabis definitely has its medicinal properties, but. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it helps a ton like, of people. I, I abuse it. I abuse cannabis. I'll, I'll say that. You know, I think it's because uh, I've been smoking it, I guess, daily since I was in high school. So it just kept going, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it definitely does have medicinal properties. And I will use it for, you know, if I'm, let's say I'm sick or something, I will take some edibles and try and just help me sleep and. Now there's the whole realm of CBG and CBD, which are both great compounds as well. I don't even know what CBG is. I don't think I've heard of that. CBG is the precursor to all cannabinoids. Oh, really? And uh, it's it's being more studied right now, and uh, it's kind of being treated like CBD. Yeah, I think CBD is fantastic. I use I have this CBD hand cream I use all the time because I'm always beating up my hands, and yeah. I mean that stuff is incredible. I agree. I mean CBD is. Is an amazing product. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, curious if there's any products out there with like a mix of cannabinoids and psilocybin. I, I'm pretty sure I've heard something, but really, be a pretty interesting mix. Yeah, the only thing I, I mean, microdosing with psilocybin is kind of the only thing I've I've really heard about. Yeah, I wanted to speak more on the microdosing, um, just the beneficial effects because i thought microdosing was kind of a load of crap 
Oh, well, that's that's honestly, the camp, right? Some yeah. people are like, oh my god, it's amazing, I, and others are like, you're yeah, not. Yeah, I was all about the macro dosing. I'm like, yeah, you need to get to that place of like the mystical experience because that's where the healing is. And it wasn't until I started my study for my thesis, and a lot of people were mentioning microdosing and the the benefits of it. And I was like, all right, well, I'll give it a try. I'm gonna I'm gonna try some microdosing. So, um, yeah, I've been microdosing um, since January, and it has helped so much. I used to have severe anxiety and that was something I've been working on for years, like getting to the root of this fear. Like I would be, you know, on a walk with my dog and all of a sudden, like how anxiety works, it's like, oh my gosh, something really bad's going to happen. I have to go home right now. Something bad's going to happen. Like something's going to get us. Something's going to hurt us. And it was just this very irrational uh, fear that would just come randomly, you know, like whether it be walking my dog or standing in line for groceries. Um, and once I started microdosing, the first month, because how I did it was four days on, three days off, four days on, three days off. And the first month, I was like, I am feeling no effects. So I stopped. And then after about a couple weeks of stopping, I was on a walk with my dog <laughs> and it happened. And it was like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this fear. Like, oh my gosh, I have not felt this in like over a month. The microdosing was helping. So... I went back on it and I haven't had any anxiety. It's been so freeing and wonderful. And I take breaks just to see like how long um, before the anxiety I feel it again. Because eventually like what it does is it repatterns your brain. So eventually you're not going to need it anymore. Um, but really? Was, yes. So, and science has been showing this, which is so magical. That That's it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool. Is that yeah. with mushrooms or what? With mushrooms, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. I had not heard that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it repatterns your brain, like, for anxiety, depression. So, like, you know, what an anti-anxiety or uh, antidepressant, which I've stayed off those my whole life because I'm not... Don't scare the shit I'm out of me. I'm not yeah. pharmaceuticals, no. But, I mean, like, what they do is, like, you know for the time you're taking it, like it repatterns your, or like, I don't know, actually the science behind it, but like makes neurons connect or something. But once you're not taking it, that's not happening anymore. But with the psilocybin, it actually permanently repatterns your brain to where you're not going to have a depressed brain anymore. You're not going to have a brain that's like prone to anxiety anymore. Um, I don't know how long, I mean, for me, again, it's been since January. So I don't know how long it's going to take for my brain to repattern. <laughs> but yeah. But still, I mean, even if it, even if it just helps with your anxiety, mm -hmm. that's because there's no negative. I mean, what are the bad side effects? You're not going to get, I mean, pick any of the long list of pharmaceutical side effects where your leg's going to fall yeah, off. I mean, other like benefits too. Like I've been more focused. I've, I've had more energy. Like I don't drink coffee anymore because uh, I don't need it anymore. And I was addicted to caffeine for, for so long, but it's like, I ha I feel more energized. I feel more focused. Um, I'm more motivated to do stuff, which is great. <laughs> like motivation, we could all use more motivation, or yeah. most of us at least. <laughs> and yeah, there's been people in my life who I have gotten to start it because I knew it would help them. And they've had like such great, like uh, two people are on uh, antidepressants and it's helping them get off the antidepressants. Um, it's helping them be more motivated and just like really connect with nature and yeah it's been really cool because this is all like pretty new like to me me personally and just recently with the people in my life the last couple months that I've gotten on the microdoses and just seeing those positive effects is like oh this is so cool because I thought it was like a load of crap you know like it's really working 
That is fat. I have not heard that. You think so that that cool. would be a little more mainstream that people would be talking about it, that? This is also new. There hasn't actually, well, since I graduated, I can't say for the last few months because I haven't been looking into the research, but there hasn't actually been a proper study yet done on microdosing. There's been quite a lot of studies out there with self-microdosing and then filling out like questionnaires. Of course, okay, yeah. So maybe in the last few months there has been something published with a proper study, um, but it's all very new. But it's going to be very well known and booming here shortly, I believe. I hope so. Yeah. I think, I mean, if it's, if it does have all these properties that people, you know, anecdotally tout, like that's, that's powerful. That could be, I mean, that could be life-changing for so many people. And how many oh, yeah. people are staying away from it just because of the branding of, oh no, I, it's a schedule, it's class one, I can't, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I just can't touch it. And the it. cool thing too, like with people in my life, since I have been studying it, like in college and like what I'm doing now more people are actually looking at it as, like, a medicine. Whereas before, it's like, oh, Danielle, like, her spiritual hoo-ha thing, <laughs> like, whatever she's doing, like, hippie, you know? Um, it's like, oh, Danielle, she actually, she knows what she's talking about? These are actually medicines? Oh, uh, I might want to try this. I'm like, cool. But it's been, like, really cool seeing how the stigma is just dissolving. And it really is about education. And really the science, too, that is taking this very seriously. Well, that's why I'm glad you guys are both very outspoken about it. Like, you're not ashamed of of saying, oh, okay, I've tried this, you know, I've done this. These are my, this is my experience with it. I think that's important. I think when people start, when they start sharing their stories, that's when you move the pendulum. Because people can put a face towards, you know, psilocybin or ayahuasca. And it's not, oh, I'm going to go be homeless and live in the gutter and never yeah. achieve anything in my life. Which is what we need. We need Absolutely. to start, we need to break that stigma. And that's the whole thing with decriminalized nature is like getting people talking and like really getting the information out there and sharing stories. And really short, the story sharing is going to be a huge part of destigmatizing this. Um, like I could imagine, I also think I'm pro-gun. I have several. And um, I used to shoot at the shooting range. And I could just imagine the guys I used to shoot with seeing me in what I'm doing right now, like in this movement, like Danielle, really? She she does these substances? She seems like she wouldn't be that type of person, you know, cause I'm there like in my, in my jeans and with my guns and, you know, doing that thing. But it's like, I think that's important. Like what I'm doing and just being out there and just showing the people in my life who would have never thought, but then it's like, but she's such a cool person. Oh, maybe people who take these aren't crazy people like how I thought they were or bad people like I thought they were. So that's the root. That's what we need to address Mm -hmm. is that connection of, Oh, it's one, it's one-sided. You do this, this is where you're going to be in life. Mm -hmm. But that's not, I mean, that's rarely ever the case with anything. Look at how we based our, our theory of success. You know, you're successful if you're rich and you make money. It's like, that's a problem right there. So the people who are rich and successful, they're probably not the ones that are, you know, technically taking psychoactive substances. And it's like, that shouldn't be how it should be thought about. You know, you could still be successful and not live the normal life that the, you know, that you're supposed to live. Doesn't, you know, success is engaged on just money and what job or like, I don't know, what you do. And I think that's a big thing is people just kind of gauge success in the, in the wrong manner. I think people can be successful and be taking psychoactive substances daily 
you know, like you said, you met people that are successful at life and are not met them, but you heard about people who take heroin and that's their, you know, addiction or their dose and they're still successful human beings. And if you could do that, why not? Like if that's, if you enjoy using whatever substance you want to use, whether it's alcohol to or each heroin, yeah, why should you not be able to do that and pursue your definition of, of what happiness is? Yeah. Like why does it have to be placed into this box? And I think that's, because I know a lot of people in my life, they're like drugs. They still follow that line of drugs are bad. And then they'll go kill a six pack on the weekend yeah. or go do whatever. And it's, I'm always struggling with trying to figure out how to help them create that, that kind of line of, you know, you drinking this six pack really isn't that different from somebody else smoking a joint. I think just having more conversations like this. Yeah, it's important. Really? I mean, just like the more conversations that are like this, the more people who are going to wake up and be like, oh, yeah, actually, why does that matter? It doesn't. And like my personal thought about why so many people are so concerned with what other people are doing, what they're putting in their bodies and labeling them, I think it's just the larger thing of what's going on of people wanting to avoid themselves. So if you're looking at someone else and judging them and judging what they're doing with their lives, what they're putting in their bodies, that's really distracting you from looking at yourself and being like, hey, there's these things that I need to be working on or where is this unhappiness coming from? Or, oh, my marriage is falling apart. So instead of like looking at these big things happening in your life, oh, look at that person doing heroin. That's a bad person. Oh, yeah, they died. Good. You know, just like that, that judgment. And it really has to do, like, I don't know, what I said earlier is like healing yourself. And that's going to like really heal the world. But, and just like breaking out of those just cycles of being so concerned about what other people are doing. Unless they're hurting someone else, it really is not in your business. It shouldn't matter. Yeah. Right? I mean, what you do on your own time in your house should be up to you as an adult well, like that's the crazy thing these substances are gonna make people better people exactly. like this is what helps you become your best self exactly so i mean what are we doing here <laughs> yeah yeah and even with with cannabis i mean i know here in california it's legal but why is it not federally legal still we've got i don't know how many states a ton where it's it's legal in those states but we're just we're still just pretending that Oh, this is a this is a bad plan. When I like cannabis too, in a sense, because you know the stigma, it has that huge stigma. Oh, you're a stoner. I really loved that going to college and being like, yeah, I smoke a lot of weed. I study chemistry too. Like, who cares, you know? And uh, so it definitely had that stigma, and uh, it's starting to, you know, now that cannabis is more accepted, especially here in California, more people are willing to try it. Like I know my mom. Like it, it took me so long to get my mom to try any of my cannabis products. And I would just be like, you know, same thing. Mom, just microdose. Come on. <laughs> just try it. Now she's all about it. Now she's like using, now she asks me for cannabis products all the time. Like, hey, I have arthritis in my wrist. Like, is there any cream you can make me or buy from your friends up there? And I'm like, I got you, mom. So now she's like willing to take tinctures to go to bed instead of her sleeping pills. So I think with this too is it's like, I think that's going to happen too. And now I'm like, mom, try these microdose capsules. <laughs> that's awesome. And she's like willing to try now. But like before she would never even think about doing any kind of marijuana or psychoactive plants or fungi. And like, I, I think the stigma is definitely being demolished and it's, it's helping, you know, all this talk, like what we're doing now is helping her even be like, oh, okay, if everyone's doing it, why don't I try it? Instead of being like, oh, mijo, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> I have, I know people that still won't even try CBD. 
because they're like, no, that's that's marijuana. That's and I'm drugs. like, it's it's not like you're gonna you're gonna be there's no THC in it. You're gonna be fine. And they're like, no, it's it's marijuana. I can't I can't I can't. That's that's illegal. And I'm like, well, even in California, it's legal. But I mean, yeah, just try. They won't even give it a chance. And I'm like, it could just try some CBD. It might alleviate some of your. Pain. It might help, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But you're no you're no worse off than where you are now. Yeah, that's the important thing. I think people just just try it. That was just the hard thing it. for me is I'm yeah. like, mom, you're addicted to a sleeping pill, yet you won't. How many try people are addicted to melatonin that are just <laughs> popping that all the time? Yet you won't try like a natural plant remedy that might actually put you to sleep better, like without the side effects of waking up all groggy and pissed off. It's crazy, and I would imagine. I bet it would be so funny to see your gun friends talk about it. Cause guns <laughs> and drugs are like. The polar opposite. They're like, spectrum. we lost Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> and I she's mean, that's, gone. I think that's that's great, though, because we, if any two need to be, you know, kind of relaxed, it's it's those two. Because you can be a responsible gun owner Absolutely. and smoke a joint. Or... Absolutely. It's been so interesting because I've been in many, many, many um, plant medicine circles. And every time I brought it up, you know, I always, like, bring up, like, hey, I have guns. But they're shocked. They're like, you have guns? Why would you have guns? And it's like, guns aren't a bad thing. I like, I mean, they can be used for terrible things, yes. But I mean, so can knives, cars. Like, it just depends on the person behind that. Um, But yeah, like bridging that and like balancing that, like, you know, being a responsible gun owner. Like, I I like to shoot targets. It's fun. It's a lot of fun shooting targets. I would never shoot an animal. But I mean, that's just me. And I'm also, yeah don't eat animals so but that's that's awesome i mean just like how we need to normalize guns in a weird way because some people get so uptight about you bring up guns and like nobody should have guns and we're like what nobody yeah really that's that's the stance we're gonna take i think we need to heal because those that are using guns to harm others like they need to heal yeah that's but if they didn't have the gun they would find something else that's the thing they don't want to like building a bomb which people have done. Yes. I mean, it would not be a stretch for that to be the it's new. It's not hard. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody wants to address that. They see guns. Just as how they see drugs and think of, oh, bad people, they see guns and think of, oh, bad people. Only mm-hmm. bad people want guns. Only bad people do drugs. But that's, I mean, that's just an, that's an answer that lacks so much nuance that it's it's kind of laughable when you hear it. And you're like, what are we, what are we doing, guys? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to just paint people into these boxes. Just like and stoking say. the division. And that's like more than anything right now. We need to heal that division. And even some like movements that are like coming up is still feeding that energy of dividing people and judging people and, you know, separating people. And even the thing with, you know, COVID, what's going on with the vaccine. Um, families are getting separated. Like, oh, you're not going to vaccinate? Well, then you can't come over to my house anymore. Like, there's just so much division on so many different levels that are happening right now. And it's like, we really need to heal that in order to get out from where we are right now. Cause... Yeah, we, I don't think we've been this divided, I mean, easily in my lifetime. But I wouldn't. I can't think of another time when we've been so at each other's throats mm-hmm. on every issue. And we're lucky to live where we live, because you know. Yeah, because it's pretty. Me- it's pretty mellow up here. I mean, you get into the vaccine and people start getting a little on edge, or you bring up Trump and people are like, "Okay, where are we going with that?" But I mean, if you go, big city, Portland. And, oh God, <laughs> Portland. I mean, 
No thanks. I would not want to be there right now. People are, are losing it. And it's because there's that lack of compassion. Mm-hmm. There's that lack of nuance. Nobody wants to look at the other person and try to understand where they're coming from. Which entheogens help with that. They allow you to have more compassion and understanding for others. And yeah, entheogens are the answer. The ego death. That's the big thing. That's what I keep coming back to it. That's what I think is fascinating is I think a lot of people, we get into these problems because people have an ego and people are like, oh, well, I got to, I got to puff up my chest and, and you're wrong and I'm right because I know better than you and all this stuff that ties back into the ego. And if we could, if there was a way, which I, I think psychedelics might be that answer to getting rid of that. Yes. That would benefit, that would benefit everybody. Like there's no, there's no downside to just trying to become a better person. Absolutely. I mean, besides, I keep coming back to this with the larger system of domination and control. That's a downside for like those who want that power, that energy, because if we get to a place of like, hey, we're equal, let's just love each other because love is the answer. It's always been the answer. Then a lot of control is lost. You know, that that division is lost. Um, I mean, that's why we need to do it really rebuild this system tear it down and rebuild it with love like that's what we need but those those in power some of those in power don't want that because they're just hungry for that power and just for that domination and yeah i don't know if we need to tear it down but we definitely need to get 99 percent of the politicians in office out of office and put put some people that actually want to help in there yeah because i mean at every turn they're just they're screwing over the little guy yeah and we keep voting them back into office yeah i mean and then getting upset that it's still happening and it's like well, yeah, yeah I, f- I feel guilty too because like i said i kind of just like hide out and humble and you know stay out of all this politics and like... it's a much better life doing that <laughs> i'll be honest when you disconnect from the news and disconnect from all the all those problems you feel a lot better but it does like i said it is like a a guilt side of me too where i'm like damn like i am educated i can actually maybe help or do something well you are right now yeah i think that's why yeah i think that's why i mean i was saying it i don't know if we were on air yet but that's why when i heard you guys's message i was like oh i gotta i gotta reach out and try to get somebody on to talk about this because i think think it's powerful and i think it could be something really good i'm excited to see where you guys go with it i hope i hope it starts in arcade and i hope it spreads i'm surprised i'm really surprised it's already not throughout california yeah yeah it's it's tough too because it's hard to know with uh gavin newsom going through a recall like how is he going to when it does get to him assuming i think there's only one more hoop they need to jump through before it gets to him but it's like how how is he going to vote on that because it's like he's not wanting to piss off the Republicans anymore. So is he just going to say no? Because he doesn't... I mean, they're never going to like him. So what's the point in saying no? But if, I feel like if he says no, he's going to lose his base. Because a okay. lot of the liberals are not going to be happy. That's true. How did the uh, how the Arcata City Council react? Um, Well, it was a split. Like, Sarah Schaefer, she's the one who was leading it. Shout out to Sarah. I had her yes. on the podcast. Oh, she's cool. amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Shout out, Sarah. Yeah, no, Sarah's great. And then Emily Goldstein, um, she was also I, – we didn't get a chance to meet with her before, so it was a pleasant surprise of how how passionate she was also about supporting this. Um, and Stacey Atkins Salazar, uh, we met with her, and she was on the fence, but, you know, something happened, and she was just very against it. 
um, she was mainly focusing on, well, what if there's a bad trip and the people who've had bad experiences with these entheogens aren't being represented here? And it's like, that was a big thing that nobody showed up that was against it. And it was publicized. It wasn't kept secret. So I think that is a big message right there. Because usually if someone's pissed off or- like, They're going to make it known. They're, yeah, yeah. They're going to show up more than people who are supportive of something. So um, yeah. And another one was just like, hey, it's going to take too much staff time and but we're covering the education so we're not asking for any assistance to help with educating the community like we got this and I wish that I was allowed to speak because she was coming up with all these concerns after I sat down after people gave their personal testimonies and I wasn't allowed to get back up and be like hey actually yeah we we got the education part like covered um but yeah so that was upsetting for me, that these kind of conversations weren't happening when I was talking to her one-on-one -on -one and I wasn't even given the opportunity to kind of rebuttal um, or provide answers just for these questions. Um, yeah, and a part of the bad trips too is education. That's what we're doing. We're educating people. What is the importance of set and setting, the importance of dosage, of intention? And um, it just seemed as though Stacy had already had her mind made up and no matter how many testimonies there were, because to say no after those testimonies was like, those testimonies were powerful. Um, she already had her mind made up. Even if 100 people showed up to give testimony, she would have still said no. And Brett Watson, he was he was in a tough situation. Um, with there only being four council members, and it did all kind of lie on him because he was the last one to make the decision. Um I know he wasn't ready to vote on it because that's what he said up there. He was someone, Sarah was like, yeah, let's vote on this. He's like, wait, I'm not ready, but she already said it. So you can't take it back after you say it. But what he did, I think, was the right thing. He wanted the community to be more involved. So I went to the safety committee, which it passed. Um, and I think that was important. So it wasn't all of a sudden like, oh, this group came in and and the city council decided to decriminalize this. What's happening? Ah. So with it allowing more time to, for community involvement, more media, I think was an important thing for the community to get more comfortable with this, knowledgeable about what was going on. But I believe that Brett is supportive. Um, my phone's ringing. No worries. And we were just talking about Brett, right? That's the... That's the uh, the mayor. Poor guy. It just got hit with a DUI. Yeah, yeah. Which the, I hadn't heard about that anywhere. Nobody was talking about that. Yeah, I feel for him. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, drinking and driving is not okay, but yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, guy, obviously you're the mayor. he's like he's obviously going through stuff, and oh, like really? the whole spirit of decriminalized nature is healing. It's based on healing and not judging others. And really part of decriminalizing these entheogens is so more people feel safe to access these entheogens. And so it is destigmatized. And, you know, whatever people are going through, like we don't want to judge them or, you know, demonize them. Maybe he uh, needs we, to get some mushrooms. I, yes. Maybe that would yeah. help him. Yeah, I think so. That would be crazy. That would be a great that I would be a so, great I push do. for you guys. That would be amazing. If he did some mushrooms, had a great experience and came back to the city council and was like, This is we right? need to we need to make some changes because this is this is powerful. Yeah. If he's I'm I'm just curious if he's even gonna stay. Yeah, like he might lose his job. Over the DUI. I 
I mean, I don't know how that works, but I would. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah I, we definitely I, hope that he's fine. You yeah. know, like I disagree with him losing his job because he, yes, he represents the community, but like uh, what I said, like at the city council was the Arcata community and Humboldt and Hole does have issues with addiction. I mean, alcoholism is a big one, and um, he is representing the community. I mean, this is a the true mayor, representation. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like, yes. And another reason why we need we need to decriminalize these to help people who do have these problems, um, like with alcohol and such. So if it's decriminalized, it just means that you're not going to get arrested for it. Yes. But can they confiscate it if they find it on you or anything like that? No, it's, no. Not, a, it's not a crime to have okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, selling it is not going to be legal and that's something i think a lot of people get used, confused on with uh decriminalization um that is part of the legalization model so you uh, could still get arrested if you're selling the substance okay. yes yes uh but uh you can gift it you know trade it um that's call, crazy you call. can gift it but you can't sell it yeah that's crazy yeah that seems like they're just trying to stick it to yeah right stick it to it still oh you can you can you can trade it would yeah. you just trade it for money? I'm, yeah. oh, I'm going to trade <laughs> Donation this. Donation yeah. based. <laughs> Thanks. I have a little tip jar out yeah. front. Yeah, there might be things like that around yeah. it. That but seems like a weird... I would say not risking it. You know, I don't want people to be getting no, into absolutely. trouble. No, absolutely. This is like, me just, yeah, just yeah. going off on a tangent here. Yeah, no, I, I agree though, but... That seems a little ridiculous. Yeah. Like, why not just... I mean, people are going to need sources, like, for their medicine. But but one thing that we're going to be doing as well, like with the education, is teaching people how to grow their own medicines. Cause, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Is it hard to grow mushrooms? Uh, it's not too hard. Okay. You can find all the info that you need online to grow, oh, I bet. To yeah. grow and make you know, most of these psychoactive compounds. Like if you wanted to process San Pedro, uh, which is a cacti, uh, you could probably find a whole procedure... Uh, they call it SOP, Standard Operation or Procedure, and you could probably find everything you need online to do, the, you know, to make whatever you want. So same thing with growing mushrooms is that it's out there. It's 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 starting to become more, more mainstream. More mainstream for sure, uh, especially where we live. Uh, it's it's gonna be a wave, you know, and which is beautiful because not only the psychoactive. Uh, fungi there's all the other fungi in the world that you know if you could cultivate your own medicine and food that's like best of both worlds right there yeah why not i mean we like we said chaga um lion's mane mushroom fungi in general is just a crazy and those uh, are those are technically easier to grow than the psychoactive ones oh are they really yeah oh wow and they're illegal so you could set up a lion's mane you know, we could set up a lion's mane grow right here. That would be so funny. Just <laughs> in the back of the studio. Yeah. Get some lion's mane. Oh, man. People well, need it. They do. That's the thing. Is people, people, and people want these substances. Mm-hmm. And if they want them and they're careful and like you guys providing the knowledge and the know-how of, okay, this is the setting that you want. This is how you want to do it. You want to be careful with these aspects. Like that, that is really crucial because then people aren't going to have these bad trips and that bad branding is going to start to dissipate. Yeah. And to know, you know, most people don't know, like for yourself, if you had an eighth in your hand, you would be like, yeah, I would be like, okay, do I just eat this whole, what am I doing? I would probably just eat the whole thing. Like, all right, well, I guess we wait. I mean, 
you just you don't know and if you don't know anybody that that uses these substances and can guide you you're you're kind of screwed you're just gonna figure it out one way or the other and it might not end so well yeah and that's the cool thing with the decriminalization like in arcata there's so many knowledgeable people like there's so many people that could guide people and um but they are you know, keeping that knowledge quiet, or just only word of mouth, because they are scared, um, unlike what uh, the chief was saying, that people aren't scared of arrest. No, there is fear of arrest. Uh, so people aren't out in the open being like, oh, yeah, I have this knowledge, or I can, you know, teach you this way of like, you know, doing it in a good way or in a therapeutic way. But like with decriminalization, that kind of conversation is gonna be able to be opened up, and people aren't going to be scared anymore. And just like being free to share that information and even offering their guidance. Because a lot of people like just with tabling a lot of people are like i want to try mushrooms but i don't know what the heck i'm doing you know and so with the decriminalization it's like oh yeah no like there's opportunity to help people learn how to you know do this in a safe way that's great yeah and mushrooms are going to be the like i said kind of the easiest most accessible but it would be nice to you know have shamans or people that are experienced to either there's probably some who live here or you know bring them in they definitely some live here and oh really and mm-hmm. be able to have some someone like that there for the other compounds as well like mescaline or dmt and and it's crazy you hear a lot of you know rich and famous people talk about how they go down to south america to go on these yeah spiritual retreats and they do ayahuasca and that well, it's just that's accepted but then if you were to do that up here it's oh uh, no that's yeah, it's ridiculous that people have to actually leave the country in order to get the healing that they need it shouldn't be that way well it's like that with with stem cell medicine too there are these fantastic breakthroughs with stem cells down in i think it's down in panama or maybe colombia somewhere down in south america and we just can't do that here because we have all those all this religious undertone of you know, stem cells are babies and we, we can't do that. But they're using like umbilical cords and we just can't have, we just don't get access to this. This I mean, they're doing incredible things with yeah. like joint repair. I mean, I'm going to pull things out of my ass because I can't think of it off the top no, of my head. Yeah. But like things that we are struggling with up here and still trying to figure out active ways of, of fixing and they've got it down there and it's just, it's incredible and we can't do that. Yeah. It's almost like we are so far behind our scientific abilities. It's almost like we're 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 trying to fight this with one hand tied behind our back. Yeah, and we're doing that intentionally to ourselves. And it's like, well, why would if if these things have benefits, whether it's stem cells or psychedelics or or pick your case, if it benefits people, why not? I mean, it's really as simple as that. Like, why? Yeah. why it should also be because the pharmaceuticals want to keep people sick because the they want thing. to make money off of the sick. That's I mean, the big thing. Like all the side effects of these uh, so-called medicines, um, and then they have like, oh, I have medicine for that side effect. It's like these are not medicines; they are poison, and they want to keep you alive and sick so they can make as much money as they possibly can off of you. They don't want like, oh, psilocybin microdosing. It helps with anxiety. People won't be anxious and. Depressed anymore? No, we can't have that. Um, I mean, I think it all comes down to again, power, money, control, domination, like kind of just uh profiting off of suffering. Well, the pharmaceutical industry is it's so big, mm-hmm. and there's so much money wrapped up in that. I mean, they fought cannabis for 40, 50 years. I mean, it's when you when you get into a business that's that profitable 
it would not surprise me the extent that they would go to shut things down. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like this. Insane extents to shut things down. And, you Especially know, if you could just grow it yourself. And it gets back to where, you know, we're too busy. They keep us busy. They keep us distracted to where we don't want to question this. And there's, we almost feel empowered that we can't do anything about it. Well, it's, you know, we can't do anything about it. Might as well just live our lives. A lot of people are there. Like, uh, my father, who's 72, you know, he was like a hippie in the 60s and just like, you know, against the war and, you know, had so much hope just with these psychedelics that, yeah, no, this is going to heal the world. And then everything that happened, you know, up until this point, he's at a place of like, he's disempowered. He's like, it's never going to change. And that's sad, you know, when people are beaten down by this system and, more people are waking up, which is a beautiful thing to witness. And the more of us that are like, no, like this needs to be decriminalized. No, this is medicine and it is going to help. They won't be able to prevent it anymore. I mean, we are very powerful and that is why we need to heal these divisions and be able to relate to each other, even though we don't agree on everything, still like being able to just like heal those divisions and have like good conversations and really fighting for what is right, standing up for what is right and standing up for our freedom and yeah, for our healing. We just need to be nicer to each other and have compassion. And it sounds like there is potential to find that compassion in these psychedelics. Yep. And that is something I'm, I'm really looking forward to. I hope that that, I hope it comes to fruition and that it, it becomes what it can be because I think it would, I think it would help people. And that's, that's like yeah. all I, that's all I would want is if people are suffering and we could get them some relief and just make, make their life a little bit better. I think that's, that's what we should all want. Absolutely. Yeah. Our, it's one small, one small step and they just, uh, little daily things that you can do to ch just keep trying. I mean, you guys, you guys are out here doing the heavy lifting. I'm just happy you, you took the time to come out and talk to me so that maybe some more people can, can find you guys and, Absolutely. and we Thank can you move for the needle. Inviting us yeah, and having, having these conversations. It was my pleasure. It was my pleasure, really. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Take care of yourself, everyone. Bye.